Hello, everyone. Dashian Miller here from Warrior Concepts. Welcome to this week's episode of Kudan Radio. Uh, so uh, I have another one this week uh, that actually springboards off of a recent black belt test uh, that we uh, just had here at the Academy. Well, I'm in my home office now, but at the Academy. And um, uh, what, just like with the last one that I covered, Right. Uh, if you if you caught that one, right, um, the student didn't mean anything by it. Right. They they were earnestly uh, they, they thought that they were approaching things uh, in a very logical manner. Okay. Uh, but again, it gave me an opportunity to help them understand um, maybe how the way we define things or the way we look at things can actually be a tripping point. It can actually be, uh, it, it creates a ceiling, right? So anyway, we'll talk about that and more when we get back. So see you in a minute. So the big question is this, how are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, and we're back. So, it's like the numbers are starting to pick up, so that's a cool thing. Got James in the wings. Well, wherever he is somewhere else in the world. <laughs> anyway, so uh, if you missed the intro when I uh, uh, when I first got started, again, this episode is brought to you by a black belt candidate who met well. So <laughs> we just recently had uh, a test at the academy for a couple of folks that were um, ready to move on to their showdown, first degree black belt. And um, they both did phenomenally well and that's not me patronizing that was me uh, uh you know congratulating two people that put a lot of hard work in one really surprised me not that i didn't think that they would pass they did i spoke about him a little bit last week henry <clears throat> henry's 15 and um uh, he's not done growing yet <laughs> which means he's going to be really tall anyway um but for, uh henry made the, the transition really well from uh from the youth program to the adult program. And uh, I was supremely confident that unless he like just popped a gasket, uh, he would, you know, he would pass. Um, but the way he passed, yeah, it, it was, it was really, really good. So anyway, last week's episode uh, was dedicated to this kind of thing, right? Uh, because there are six, six uh, parts to the Shodan test uh, through my academy. And, um, you know, we go through Kamai, we go through basic skills. There's uh, uh, needed to history and tradition, uh, vocabulary, uh, history and tradition kind of questions. There's Japanese vocabulary, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, they, they make up, um, they have a, a template that they have to create or modify uh, six defensive techniques to show their understanding of understanding of not just that they know the moves, 
but they understand the principles and concepts that were conveyed from white belt to uh, this level just before uh, first degree black belt. So first Q, right? And, uh, but as a part of that, uh, I always ask personal questions and that's not, it's not, it's a part of the test, but it's not a pass or fail. There's no right answer. There's, it's a personal thing, right? So if you call it last week's episode, uh, 189, and if not, uh, you know, you just go to, well, everything's stored on the live tab there on the uh, YouTube channel. And, uh, I know that we have uh, links all over the place and maybe, you guys can convince James to pop the link into the website for, for where everything else is, right? But uh, this is episode 190. So uh, I dedicated that one to a question that I had asked Henry, and, uh, you know, uh, he, he did his best. I mean, he was 15. Uh, it was about motivation, right? So we had a little chat about that. And then it was Drew's turn, and um, Drew did phenomenally well. I, I had no doubts. Uh, but, um, I asked him a question and again, I, I really do believe that this was the logic that they were operating under. And it's not, this is not a right or wrong thing, but one, these questions are asked so I can understand where a student is in their head, right? Um, with regards to, and these were only one question of several that were asked, but uh, questions like, you know, what, what's your plans from here, right? What do you plan to do moving forward? And uh, so this episode is dedicated to Drew's answer, and I had a little chuckle there because um, you know, he did his best. He didn't think he didn't think anything about the answer, and it's not like he didn't think it through. He didn't think it through, right? Drew's a very very dedicated student. And so his answer was, I plan on continuing to do the same. Okay. Hence the title, right? Uh, and just like with Henry's, I took that opportunity to not just help him, but to share kind of a, uh, an insight, right? It's, it's part martial philosophy and part from our Miko. And it's just, if we understand uh, this idea of clarity and perspective and, and how things work, right? Um, then we can make better results or we can create better results. And so, but the other reason that I took this opportunity was because I have some showdowns and above at the academy that are coming up for their own black belt exam. And I truly do believe that they're operating under the same uh, logic or with, with the same perspective. Okay. And so uh, I'll repeat the question that I asked Drew, paraphrased, and I will you know, paraphrase his answer again. Um, but we want to take a look at how this is. It seems logical, but things don't work this way. Okay. And, uh, and it's not just in the martial arts. This is in everything, right? every, every aspect of our lives. Okay. So I asked Drew, what are your plans moving forward? Okay. Should you get promoted today? 
and you earn your your uh, showdown. You know, what are your plans moving forward? And again, paraphrased, Drew said, I plan on continuing the, doing the same thing, right? I'm training hard and consistently, you know, coming to class and, and those kind of things. And I said, bullshit. Right? Not that I called bullshit on Drew's answer that he was going to be consistent in coming to class. The bullshit was called on doing the same thing because getting to second degree black belt. Now, if, if there are no standards, right, and everything is subjective and it's just be based on time or, well, you look like you improved or whatever. Um, I got nothing. Okay. But we have very, very specific standards as far as ability goes. Okay. So, uh, I'll, I'll share those in a minute, but the, the gist of it is what was done to get from white belt to be able to test for a showdown to showdown is not the same thing that needs to be done to get from showdown to needon. That in of itself is not the same thing that needs to be done to get from needon to sandan. Okay. Training is a given. But what's the focus? What what areas? What should we be learning other than more moves? Because in every one of our uh, Don level uh, curriculum packets, in all the Don levels, there are kata. Right? Every every uh, Don level has, uh, generally speaking, two um, two of the lineages that are the focal point for the taijutsu. Not that a student isn't learning everything, right? But based on what I've learned and the way I've learned it, the lineages have a level of severity, a level of difficulty. And there really is kind of a hierarchy when it comes to how things need to be done, okay? For instance, um, gyokoryu and kotoryu tend to be seen as the backbone of uh, of the Bujinkan, okay? And as a matter of fact, the Koppo in Koppo Jutsu, even though it translates as bone method, Hatsumisate has identified that as, look, these lessons right here, this is the structure, right? This is the this is the, the, the kind of a spinal column, right? This is this is where the strength is. But the core principles and concepts, right, uh, that everybody lays as a foundation tend to come from the Gyoko school. So Yoko, Koto, that kind of thing, right? Um, gets more difficult as you move forward, right? Uh, and I'm just going to jump over a couple, right? Uh, for instance, uh, Tagagi Yoshimu, right? Yeah, extremely close range, tight quarters, uh, low ceilings, those kind, of, those kind of things. A lot of bodyguard um, tactics. And I know it, it doesn't look like it's evident if you're just kata collecting, right, and just doing the moves. <clears throat> um, but all of your... Locks, holes, and throws um, are to be done one-handed instead of two-handed. Okay? Uh, in the Shinden Furoryu, you need to understand yourself so well that you can you can assume uh, the posture of Munen Muso, right? Munen Muso, no thought, no action. Doesn't mean you're not thinking, and it doesn't mean that you're not acting. What what that what that points to is that you've got this Zen mind thing going on. So you're not assuming anything from him. You can see what he's doing. 
right? That tells you certain things and whatnot, but you're not jumping to conclusions, okay? Um, and so you're still open to whatever happens, right? But so that's Moonen, right? Musol, no action, doesn't mean you're not going to do anything. It means you're not doing anything that tells him what you're going to do. So you're assuming neutral. And I know how simple that sounds. Right, James? It sounds really, really easy. Okay? Except that this neutral is you don't change. And when I say you don't change, we're going to underline, italicize, and put quotation marks around the word you. Okay? Because as soon as somebody tries to not change, they change. Right? As soon as they try to, as soon as they try to do anything, right? As soon as they try to mask it, uh, whatever, right? They try to assume neutral, right? Neutral in this case is being you. Okay. Um, that, that was probably one of the hardest things I had to learn, right? Because the, dis, the, the, dis, um, the disconcerting thing or the most disconcerting thing is that other people that are close to you know you and know your baseline probably better than you do. We think we know us, right? But if you're training with people that know you and you try to do this Munen Muso thing, right, they'll see the, the moment you try to just be neutral, they'll say, see, you changed. Okay? That's not your neutral. You just, you just geared down. You just tried to go to zero, but we're not talking about empty nothing. We're talking about you are you and whatever presence you present, right, doesn't change. They can't see a shift. They can't see a change. Okay. So it's very high level stuff, right? Uh, Togakurevu is up there with that, right? Um, and everybody thinks about the ninja stuff and whatnot, but we're talking about like escaping overwhelmed situations, right? It's almost entirely Mutodori stuff. I know we have Shuriken. I know we have Mitsubishi. But you're like literally surrounded um, and anybody can, and not anybody. This is not like a, a Bruce Lee or a Chuck Norris movie where you're surrounded by eight guys and they're just nice enough to only come in one or two at a time. Wouldn't that be freaking awesome? Okay. Um, they can all, they can all come at you at the same time and they're all armed like as in swords. Okay. And if you've ever seen the scroll layout, right, you start defending against are there any against one? James, are there any against one? My brain is starting at two. My brain is starting at two. But either way, there might be one. Um, but that's generally across the board, right? Um, two, and then every level above that doubles. So you defend against two, and then you defend against four, and then eight, and then 16, and then 32. And I think the highest number is 64. But it might stop at 32. But I think, I think it's 64. But either way, even if it's 32. Okay. Now imagine being surrounded by shit, even eight, right? Even four. And they're not all going to come one at a time. They're all going to come one or two at a time. They can all rush you at the same time because these people, they're all like pit bulls that smell blood or they're like a shark that, that smells blood in the water. Okay. And they all want the kill. 
Right? So the principle is not about the technique. I'm going to throw shuriken, I'm going to throw blinding powder, and then I'm going to roll. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to okay? No, the principle and concept is how do you go from being surrounded to having all of them behind you? Because you will be running your ass off. Okay? But how do you do that? Right? How do you think very, very differently, right? How, can you identify the weakest links in that group or identify a whole and act immediately, right? You identify it and you just go, okay? Um, just very interesting stuff, right? So, but anyway, we have these things on, on a hierarchy, right? So, um, but at each level, there are principles and concepts not just because they came from given lineages, because ultimately I want my, my students to not just have a Bujinkan synthesis, right? Here's the Bujinkan hybrid approach. I mean, hell, Bujinkan was supposed to, I mean, originally started out to be the name of Hatsumi Sensei's dojo, and then it became the name of the organization, and now people use it like it's the name of the style. I do Bujinkan. Okay, well, I have a hard time doing that because I've seen the evolution and I get it. I think I get what they mean, but I've run into my fair share. Way too many people that have no idea what they mean because they don't know what it means. Give me half a second here. I'm going to close my office door. Sorry about that. The dog waits until my wife comes home. Anyway, so um, so well, what I'm looking at is ability to control a situation and how. Because if we're just looking to win a fight using Nimpo Taijutsu, call it Budo Taijutsu, call it whatever you want, okay? Um, just know that I see a huge difference between Budo Taijutsu and Ninpo Taijutsu. Okay? It's not because I see it that way. It's because my teachers have shown it to me that it's, it's different. One, in, one in, uh, includes the other, but it doesn't work in the other direction. Okay? So, uh, but they can, they can use Ninpo Taijutsu alone against a, a single attacker on the street, average attacker, right? Uh, and use Nippo Taijutsu alone, right, to win that situation, to, to survive, to get out, to go home, okay? That's second-degree black belt. So if that's the goal, that's as far as anybody needs to go, okay? And after conversations with Hatsumi Sete and things that he said in class and, and different classes and, and whatnot along the way, right, um, what we look at for Nidon and have since 1980, 81, okay, so me coming up through the ranks, all that kind of stuff, right, um, when the highest rank in the Bujinkan was fifth on, okay, I know, when people get involved in the art, ego makes an assumption that the way it encounters, not just this art, anything, it makes this assumption that that's the way it's always been, so imagine what people are doing with the word tradition, imagine what they're doing with the word classical, imagine what they're doing with the word samurai, ninja, anything like that, right, um, wife, husband, and a whole bunch of names or titles, right? So, 
uh, Hudson Mississippi has identified what some of the things that we're looking for at Nidon um, at eighth or ninth on the way he promotes people in Japan or promoted people. He's retired. So, um, and again, I'm not here to tell anybody how to do anything. Right. Um, but we just had, you know, had, had these standards and then there's levels of control. Right. So Nidon, go with the flow, that kind of thing. Right. So Shodan, for these guys to pass the Shodan test. Now, they had some decent flow, the timing, angling, those kind of things. But there were some things that were rough around the edges. But certainly met the, the, the Shodan uh, level. So Shodan, is to, for, for us, is just to show, you need to show me that you've got a toolbox full of tools that I gave you from white belt up. And you know how to use them. You know what they're supposed to be for. But again, it's a static training kind of setup. Not that if you're jumped on the street, you won't whip out one of these things or whatever, but I certainly don't expect anybody that's a Shodan to be able to use Nippo Kaidetsu alone and not fall back on uh, tic-tac-toe, high school wrestling, uh, Louisville slugger, whatever, right? For anybody that's from Marka and you know what baseball is, right? Um, so anyway, um, so... Show me the tools, right? Show me that you know what's going on. And then when it comes to ukemi and whatnot, show me that, you, you know, somebody can toss you around. You're not going to get hurt. There's no proactive. There's no countering, anything like that. I just want to see that you, that you are going to, you know, you, you can save yourself kind of thing. Nidon starts the proactive rolling that if during a, uh, a break fall or whatever, um, you can knock this guy's knee out from under him or you can punch him in the crotch or you can, uh, counter during a throw or something like that, then that that's where that is. Okay, uh, but again, you're being thrown, right? So the, you should see a transition in these things, right? So to get the showdown, you come to class, you learn the techniques, you learn the skills, and you become proficient with them. Great, sounds like martial arts training. It is, right? To get the need on. You're going to need to look at those things through the lens of what if you're attacked by a jack wagon on the street who doesn't come to class? He doesn't know your cool punches and all that kind of stuff. He's going to do whatever he wants. Okay. And he's not your training partner. Right. So this, what I mean by that is he has no vested interest in you doing well. Right. He's not going to back off. He's not going to intentionally miss. He's coming at full speed. Those kind of things. Right. So. There's, there's, the training by its very nature has to change. Okay. And I was just mentioning this, was it, I don't know if it was last week's, uh, Kuden or Whiteboard Wednesday. James, uh, when I, when I was talking about, about 80% of what, uh, you currently have going on about you, about your skills, and all that kind of stuff, uh, you're going to have to drop those to get to the next level, right? There's like 20% that'll move forward, right? So 20% of your training moving from Shodan to Nidon or from Nidon to Sandan, Sandan Yonan or whatever, that's involved in learning the other techniques. Um, there's going to be similarities, right? I mean, you're going to recognize that you're training and whatever, right? You're in the same art and that kind of thing. But about 80% of you, 80% of what you think you know, 80% about what you believe to be true, 80% about perspective and what you're looking at and for, 
those kind of things, right? Have to go. They have to be swapped out for something different. Now, are you really getting rid of things? Well, I'm getting rid of a Shodan or a, a person's perspective heading for Shodan. Because right? now it's not about learning the techniques. It's about extrapolating things from techniques because I need, no matter what this guy throws at me, I need to be able to handle that. I need to be able to live to the the strategy in the gyoko to you ichimonzi no kamai, right? The feeling in that kamai is I am so confident in my kamai I can win with this alone. I'm so confident with this skill I can win with this alone. I'm so confident with this art I can win with this alone. I don't need to be pulling something else in. Yeah, but there's holes in things. Well, are there? Or have I just not been around enough? Or do I believe that I already believe that something else is better or whatever, okay? Because perspective perspective and perception changes everything, okay? Uh, And whatever I believe to be true is how I'm going to think, speak, and act, right? It's just, okay? So, um, but again, right, so the the level for, for need on is what do I need to be doing, right? What do I need to know? Right. What do I currently do as, a, as certain habits that are going to get in my way? Right. What moves am I taking an extra step or two? Or is there a hesitation or whatever? Right. That that is not going to it's not going to survive full speed. It's not going to come out at full speed. Right. Where am I bullshitting myself? Those kind of things, right? Because the consequences, what was it say in the Bible? The wages of sin are death, right? And what does the word sin mean? It's an old archer's term. It means to miss your mark, okay? So one of the principles for Nidon, right, is precision. Being able to hit your mark, okay? Being able to hit that cue show on the fly. Being able to hit, you know, whatever, right? Okay? Knowing when you have and when you don't have an uke nagash. So you don't just try to do uke nagash just cause. You don't just try to do your kata just cause he threw a punch. Right? That's all shodan training. Nidan training, there needs to be more discernment in there, right? Do I have one? Do I not have one? But you have, you have to do it based on feel. An intuitive sense of knowing, not an intellectual left brain, do I or don't I? Cause as soon as you start thinking that way, your brain slows down way down okay and for anybody that's ever been in a fight you know how fast those things are so right and then for sandan right it's a whole different thing because now i've got this neon ball game right i've got this idea to i get this ability to flow for sandan now i'm pushing this guy's buttons and making me attack the way that i need him to attack so i can apply the technique that I want to apply because I need him at a certain point on the ground or in a certain place in space. Right? So again, what has to go? Right? So again, I really, really, really do believe that Drew meant he was going to, you know, keep on training, learning, those kind of things. That's all great. Okay. But what he said was, I'm going to keep doing the same thing. That's not possible. 
Because if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to plateau. And that's where people get bored. That's where people drop out. Right? That's where people, even serious people, they get distracted by other things in life because this becomes, they hit a level where they think they, they, they got it. Right? But what was it? Right? To feel like you got it, to feel like you understand, whether you actually, whether we actually wrote down the definition of what it is or what I was aiming for, you'll know when you hit it because your training slows down if it doesn't outright stop. Uh, life creeps in, accidentally or intentionally, doesn't matter, right? Because we don't need this as much. Okay? The other time that happens is when someone knows that they hit a point where this is just too much hard work and then they find distractions consciously or unconsciously right? because then because going to class or having the teacher or seniors or whatever look at what they're doing causes stress because we can't let anybody catch ego can't let anybody catch it in its bullshit of you know not training or whatever okay and then we start to backslide and all kinds of crap. But anyway, so Drew said the same thing. Not possible. Okay, Just like uh, I think I made this re- uh, this reference before, but again, I, I recognize that we always have new listeners and, and whatnot. And not everybody's on uh, YouTube as this thing is live. So a lot of folks are listening in on uh, any one of the podcasting services or whatever. So if you're listening on Pandora or Apple Podcast or Google Play or do we still have this? Is it Stitcher that went away? Which one went away? Jane? Just Stitcher went away. Okay. So I, I'm going to have to change that, that outro because we still have Stitcher listed on there. Uh, one of these days, hopefully coming up this year, we'll be on Sirius XM radio. So that'll be cool too. Uh, we're on Spotify. All kinds. Of, so if you're listening in on those, um, you know, we, I'm, I'm not dismissing those things. I, I just know that you're listening in my future and I'm speaking in your past. So we have broken the bounds of, of time and space. Welcome to Kuji World 101. Um, so, um, but just like a, just like somebody who's working out, right, to get to a certain level of fitness. So, so um, one of my mentors, you know, used this analogy one time. I thought it was freaking brilliant. He said, you know, a strong man can teach a weak man how to get strong. Okay, just do what I did, okay? just like your teacher teaches you how to get from where you are to where they are. Right. Um, but they can only teach you how to get there. Okay? They might have some inclinations about other things and they'll mention them in class. Right. I've got a couple of students that just over the years, because their teacher stopped teaching or whatever. Right. Um, they would mention these things that they gravitated to me because I teach heavily in certain areas that were only ever mentioned or alluded to. But. Either they discovered or the teacher admitted that they couldn't help them with that stuff. That's fine, right? I'm the same way. I'll point people in other directions. Um, But a strong man can help a weak man get strong. But if that strong man, right, or both people, the, the, the 
mentor and the mentee. They want to get stronger, right? They want to, they want to uh, take it to the next level. They can't keep doing the same workout. They can't keep doing the same workouts. Okay. Um, and this happens with, with human, human beings all the time, right? As soon as we hit the ability to do what is routinely required of us, your system goes into plateau mode. It goes into hold because it doesn't need to adapt anymore. It's adapted to that. Okay. So until new stressors or new challenges are applied, there's no reason for the body, brain, whatever, the systems to change, to adapt. Adaptation happens because there's a struggle, there's a challenge. Okay? Well, I don't care if it's the weather changed or whatever, right? Um, nutritional science tells you that you can only be on a diet, what is it, for the same, the, the same meal mix or whatever. And a lot of people, they do well on something for a while, but they'll hit a plateau. It's one of the reasons why in a lot of these diets like keto and stuff like that, they let you have a cheat day. And it's not just because they know that people want a cheat day or it motivates them or whatever. It's because when you do a cheat day, you throw other things into your system and your system has to adapt around that. It breaks the plateau and then it takes two or three days to readjust again, right? So once you put yourself back on keto or paleo or whatever you're doing, right, it readjusts again, okay? So over a nine-day period, they say that you should shift your diet at least twice, if not three times, right, so that the body always has a different mix of things that it has to work with. Same thing with workouts, right? It's not just muscle fatigue or wearing out the same system or wanting to spread your exercises around uh, to different body parts. It's, right, you're not just giving muscles a chance to rest and recuperate, but if you work them to challenge, you break things down and then the body has to build them back stronger because it's anticipating having to do that amount, right? So, but either way, a strong man can help a weak man get stronger, but for a stronger, from a strong man to get stronger or bigger or whatever, they can't do the same routine. Okay. And this goes for everything, right? If you're bored doing whatever it is you're doing, because you keep doing the same way, that goes for me too. Right? It's life has these neat little litmus tests in it. Okay, um, there's an old cliche. Right? If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always gotten. Right? The problem with those kind of statements like that, and I've mentioned these before. I think I have. James probably wants to throw up because I keep mentioning them. Of course, he's on every coup then. Um, but uh, the problem with them is that everybody says them, and everybody thinks they know what they mean, and then they're just easily dismissed. See, you've hit a plateau with the motivational quotes. And so once you know them, I've heard them and I can repeat them back. See, I know them. Then they become less and less meaningful till they become meaningless. And I only repeat them because the goal now is to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Okay. But... We can't continue to do the same. If 
we're, if we want to move to the next level, right? So uh, maybe a good maybe a good uh, reference would be um, some of my guys know this because they'll they'll get on with a uh, looks like a discovery call, right? Um, I'll often send out emails and and it's an open invitation. I mean, you can always write to me and put call request in the in the in the email field and say you know. Can I schedule for one of those uh, freebie uh, coaching calls or whatever, kind of see what's going on and tell you about my training and whatever. Uh, and 80% of that that call is me listening to what you're doing, asking some very, very targeted questions. has nothing to do with you getting into my program. If, if there's a fit, great. I'm not going to turn away a student. But at the same time, whether you and I ever move forward as a teacher-student or not, and this stuff should be an indication, right? We're coming up on 200 episodes, right? This is 190, right? In 10 weeks, 10 more episodes, we will have, we will be cresting the 200 episode mark, okay? See how many podcasts start and end, right? With less than a dozen. See how many less and end with less than five? Nobody's listening to my stuff. Well, you know what? I found it takes about a year or so to get your traction, find your voice, find what people want to listen to. That kind of stuff. Um, and I must have done that because most of our new students end up binge watching this stuff or this and Whiteboard Wednesday or whatever before they ever take the plunge. But that means that I've given away how many hours worth of training. So uh, anyway, so uh, on one of these discovery calls, um, one of the questions might be not where are your problem areas? Because everybody, everybody's waiting to tell me that because they want to, you know, what, what's next? What's next? Okay, well, how's your role? Oh, my role is good. Okay, good. So can you throw a shuriken from, like, inside of a side roll and hit your target? Wait, what? Well, have, well, first of all, have you done shuriken throwing? No. Okay, well, I would highly recommend that you start that because my next thing is going to be having you, if you were my student and you're really, really good with rolling, that I'm going to be having you pick up weapons, whether it's a hanbo, a knife, uh, a, a handful of grass or dirt or stones during a roll, so that you can launch that on the way out. You get a handful of Mitsubishi, or you've got this weapon, right? You want to be able to grab long staff, sword, uh, hanbo, anything like that, right? Um, during the roll, right? Um, and then what that now requires you to do is either roll one-handed, which is your offhand, right? Because the other arm, you're going to be going up the arm, not across the body. At best, you're going to have your offhand as support, or you're going to need to be able to do no-handed rolling, which is in the scrolls, by the way. Okay? It's in the Tenshiji, the Okunomaki, the, uh, what we normally call the Shidoshi scroll. Okay? You need to be able to do all your rolls, two-handed, one-handed, and no-handed okay? in all directions. Um, so given that that's what you meant saying my roles are good, great. Okay. So now we're going to start grabbing this stuff and then, uh, you should probably train with shuriken, basic shuriken throwing. Okay. Uh, and I know there's, there's this whipping technique and all that, but I just have people, um, start by just doing full extension, almost like they're exaggerating, uh, card dealing kind of thing. Right. Um, there's less spin on the shuriken, but, Right, go straight out. And then 
what I'm going to have them do is throw the shuriken entering a roll. And I don't mean throw it, then roll. I mean the movement into the forward roll and the launching of the shuriken. There's a bridge section of both skills that overlap. So where into the roll is it too far that the extension of my arm won't, the, the shuriken won't hit the target? Where is it too early that I'll be throwing and then dropping into the roll so the throw really isn't a smoke screen, right? He'll be able to see what's going on, okay? What I really want to do is be able to mesh those two so that he sees me drop into a roll, and the next thing you know, he gets hit with a, with this metal plate, right, or a knife or whatever, okay? So which is the smoke screen for which? Now the roll is the smoke screen for the shuriken throw as opposed to the shuriken being a smoke screen to cover the roll or the tactical maneuver. See the difference? Okay. Same thing with coming out of a roll. Okay. Because I may have somebody rushing in on me, right, waiting for me to come out of that roll. So they could pop me, cut me, whatever, as I'm exiting the roll. So can I throw the shoot again as I'm coming out and unfolding because there's an overlap? There's a too soon where the shoot again just freaking flies away. There's too late where you may be getting jacked. And you don't have time to throw it. There's an overlap in the skills, right? If I can find that overlap window and I can describe it and I can point it out and I can demonstrate it, but ultimately you have to learn it and find it because it's, it's your body, right? But then there's this other one where like when we're doing side rolls, okay? And, and here's something that, that we've discovered having the online training that having people coming into the program that didn't start with me and have trained with other people. I just heard it uh, expressed again not too long ago. Where was it? Well, I saw it. I saw it on an old forum and somebody else had mentioned it in the video. And then a couple of the people that have come in from training with other people said that, well, you know, it's eight directional rolling, but you're pretty much just doing a forward shoulder roll and um, in just in different directions. And that's not the way I learned. Yes, you can do that. But if somebody's grabbed me by the chest with both hands and slinging me sideways, guess what? That force and inertia, I can't turn to do a forward shoulder roll. So I'd better be able to do a side roll like I'm rolling through Hitta, right, to make that happen. And this allows me to keep my eyes on him, right, while moving laterally from the attack. Uh, whereas if I do a forward shoulder roll toward him, my body is blinding me for 80, 90 percent of that that roll. Okay? So these are absolutely not the same. Okay. Um, so the other the other thing this allows me to do if I'm rolling laterally through here, if I have shoot again or a knife or something like that, right? Um, in the middle of the roll, while my body's turning over, I can throw this shoot again from inside that roll and hit this guy. Okay? So there are always next steps. Okay? What's the next step? Okay? Another next step is can you punch or kick coming out of a roll? And I don't mean come out of the roll and punch. I mean that there is a skill overlap in doing a front stomp kick or ski 
at a certain point as the body is unwinding, normally what we do in the beginning is we just get people to roll their ass over their head, right? But then we want them to be able to roll over and come out into a kneeling guard and then eventually into a standing guard. But we also want uh, them to be able to come out, not just come out of the role in the kamai, but recognizing that when somebody's coming in, um, James, is that, is that on this week's skill thing or was that last week's? Uh, in the realm of the tactical warrior, our module two, right? Don't we have something like that in there where uh, we're doing June Nagore, right? But I have Drew coming out in Kamai. Was that last week or this week? <clears throat> June Nagore was last week. Last week. Okay. So that's the basic, right? And then one of the, one of the technique videos that we demonstrated was James threw a, would you throw like a jab, jab, lunge or something like that? And it put the Junagure into a context with a modern fighter where it's a shift to Kamai to avoid that. As a matter of fact, I think it was whatever it was. He, he just kind of shifted, and then the next one came in. That's where he went back into his Ichimonji, and then he turned to do the Junagure. And um, a lot of people have been allowed to get away with just turning around and rolling when if somebody's doing a good ski or they're coming in with a knife stab or something like that um, – yeah. most of these people would get punched in the back of the head, which is what we found by pressure testing the techniques, right? So um, you've got to be dropping on your knees and getting close to the ground and all that. So you're operating on three dimensions, right? So you're not just turning to roll, you're turning and sinking. So like if when I'm demonstrating it and doing it with James, James is way taller than me, right? So um, James, what happens if I don't use that third dimension and sink? I get punched in the back of the head. Right. James, James has big hands and long arms, right? Long legs, right? So I've got to be sinking below this thing. So it doesn't matter if he punches into the space where I was. I'm below this thing and then I'm rolling. Okay, great. All right, you've done Junagre. Yeah, but it's not done yet. Okay. What if, what if it's not training? What if it's not James? What if it's not my friend? What if it's this jackass on the street who wants to beat break or kill me and now he's missed three freaking times right he's thrown a jab and maybe a cross and now he's thrown in this lunch and he's missed i'm doing this tricky ninja shit and it's absolutely now enraged him fucker i'm good right and he chases you down while you're rolling and you're coming up out of this roll so what i where we ended this for mod two which even took a little bit farther than Mod 2 should be, but we had just had Drew coming out. So he's in Kamai, so he can at least start to jam up a next thing that, that James would have done. That was a little unfair because James is even taller than, than Drew, but fair is fair, right? Anyway, so, so but what's the next piece? Well, the next piece is unfolding out of your Kamai and paying attention. So as I'm, my kamai is unfolding. I'm not just coming out of the role and then taking kamai. I'm coming out of the role in kamai, but there's got to be a next stage of discernment because I need to know if he's coming at me, if he's at me, or if he's at me and already launching something because his brain's already figured out where my head will be when his fist gets where it's going, right? So unfolding out of kamai or out of the role into kamai has to turn out of coming out of that right into Uke Nagash. 
right? My angling has to be on my alignment, my balance, all that kind of stuff. Or if it's not, I got to be able to do something and then do, we call it broken field rolling instead of broken field running like they have in like American football, right? So then I'm going to cut angles. Um, so anyway, it, there's always a next step, right? What is that next step? Well, sometimes you need a teacher to tell you what the next step is because, again, if we're doing the same thing, it's because we don't know any better, right? We've run out of lessons or we think we've hit the the, the top point, right? Okay? Well, I got that skill. I got that skill. It's like stamp collecting. I got that one. You got that one. We got that one. Okay? Great. Right? Now what? Okay? Oh, I got it. Oh, okay. So, but that's why Nidon training for us, right? Shodan's heading for Nidon need to understand those techniques and be able to apply those techniques in a wide variety of scenarios because are you dealing with somebody who took the yellow with the green belt course in Taekwondo? Uh, you know, are you dealing with somebody who's uh, enraged and just flailing at you? Or are you dealing with the guy who uh, was a golden glove boxer kind of thing? Right. So, um, you know, do, do you know when Uke Nagashi is a good idea, not a good idea? Do you know more than one way to do it? Right. Do you know more than three ways to do it? Do you know which one is appropriate for any, any given fighter type, right? Have you bothered matching up your skill sets? I'm going to assume that all you guys have because you're all enlightened, right? This, this is the cool kid group, right? But um, you know, this is for anybody that might pop in later on, right? But have you looked at your skill sets leading to Shodan or your Kiana Bow or whatever, right? Your Kion Basics from the perspective of him, different fighter types. So now I know, hmm, there's a whole bunch of techniques that I know. Nothing going to think about against this guy. But do I know it well enough that I can pick and choose the tools out of my toolbox, or am I going to shit my pants and I'm just going to go back to high school thuggery because... I didn't do the work necessary to see. So, and again, love Drew to death. And I, I certainly believe that he meant he was just going to keep on learning. But when he said, going to keep doing the same thing, right? Okay. It's not going to get you where you're going. And James, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, because James just got promoted to need on. So he's, he's, like fairly stress-free when it comes to <laughs> any upcoming uh, tests or anything like that. Well, you know what I mean, right? You're, you're, I'm not going to be looking at you for another year or two. Um, but when I looked down the line of black belts, I think I said something to the, to the effect of this is what's getting in most people's way. You're still trying to train for your next black belt level, doing the same things that you did, you're trying to learn technique. You're trying to memorize technique. You're trying to, uh, you're not focused on the principles and, and concepts and, and outcomes and, and type of control that I had described on your, on your packet cover sheet and the things we discuss on a regular basis. 
right? And you're not, uh, you're not critical of your techniques, right? All of your techniques still look like you're working on a showdown. Okay. And yes, in every one of those levels, there are kata. There are kata, for, say, for shoda or for nida, right? There are koto kata. Just some examples. There are gyoko things, right? But from shodan nidan, I want gyoko kata and koto kata done based on the principles of those specific schools. Gyoko kata will be done gyoko-like and not bujinkan hybrid. Koto kata will be done koto-like, not koto or not bujinkan hybrid. And the reason for that is I want advancing black belt levels to be able to shift gears, shift approaches. So if whatever they're doing against this guy that's coming at them or people, because Sandan is multiple attackers, it's the start of multiple attackers, right? If what you're doing isn't working, but everything's the same, well, how do you change principles and concepts? How do you change uh, battlefield tactics, right? If long range isn't working, how do you go to close range and understand, right? How does Gyoko do you adapt for that kind of thing, right? Do we know that long range uses linear stuff for the most part and close range uses almost an orbiting kind of idea, right? Um, because I don't have the distance, right? I need to stay in close, but I also need to stay offline, but I also need to stay out of range for his follow-up, right? So, um, anyway, so it, it wasn't like a, a, well, I guess it was a little bit long <laughs> for those guys, but I, I left them with the same thing, right? This isn't, this isn't a chastisement. I, I really do believe that you think that doing the same thing, um, is going to get you to the next level, but only 20% of what you've been doing and what you've been focusing on is going to carry forward. Okay? 80% of it, 80% of you has to change, right? Nobody wants to change. Ego doesn't want to change because it's right, damn it. Right? There's a song, uh, Joe Walsh. She's one of the, uh, one of the band members in the group, the Eagles. Um, it's a song, Life's Been Good to Me, or something like that. And there's a, there's a lyric line in there, right? Um, everybody's so different, but I haven't changed, right? No, no, no. You need to flip that. Now it's a, it's a, it's a funny little spin on things because the reality is, is that when you change, everybody changes because you'll see things, right? But what you looked for heading for Shodan, that is going to be a foregone conclusion, but you're also going to recognize how much you've missed moving forward. Okay? And then same thing with the Sandan stuff, right? There's things that are in the Nidan Kata. They're in you know all these techniques, right? But you're going to be looking at that like, holy shit. That's why we move in this direction, right? And if I do this, he's going to do, right? So advancement very early on, like for showdowns, heading toward Nidon, and it just keeps getting, it, it just keeps getting uh, more and more clear, but we have to get a handle on the law of karma, cause and effect, right? 
because for for lower level people, right? He throws a punch. I do X, Y, Z, right? If I explain the law of karma and cause and effect, they go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I get it, okay? But for Nidons, right, why'd you shift in that direction with that come on? Well, because he came at me, there was there was an extra pressure. I needed some extra long, I needed longer range. I needed a certain angle because he was throwing a right cross instead of a straight punch. So it needed to be closer to a 90-degree angle, whatever. This is all after the fact, right? But they're going to be able to tell me why they did that and why that Kamai was best because this guy's attack created a need for a certain type of action. But then that Kamai, that angle, that timing caused the attacker to either not be able to do anything because he was going to run into things, caused him to open up, or my angle was a little off, created an opening. That's why he threw this next thing. He's not just going to do whatever. Right. People leading up to Shodan and in, in a great uh, to a great degree heading toward Nidon tend to look for anything or everything. Like, what if he throws this? He won't. What do you mean? How do you know? Because he's that type of fighter and under pressure. Ninety nine percent of what he does is going to be what he does all the time. Right? So he won't. Yeah, well. They still said the guys in the dojo and stuff, and, you know, we've never done it, but <laughs> I laugh, right? Um, we're in the dojo and, uh, you know, show a technique or whatever, and somebody goes, why would I would never do that? Well, okay, sweetie, but we're not defending against you tonight. We're not defending against that fighter type. Right? We're doing this because we're dealing with that fighter type. That's the kind of stuff that Nidon candidates need to be paying attention to. Right? Sandan candidates should already have that, but they should have already paid attention to the fact that, okay, if I'm standing here, he's going to come this way, right? I'm closer to that hand, so he's probably going to come. You really start to be able to read what somebody's able to do. Well, then we're going to turn that on its ear. We're just going to flip it. You're going to go, hmm, okay. Well, what I need is I need for this guy to get the hell back out my front door. Or I need him flat on his chest in as few moves as possible. So, based on his fighter type, if I shift over here and drift in just a little bit, he'll take that shot with that hand, which allows me to move to the outside, right? put on an arm bar or something like that, and put him on his chest. Or move him, steer him toward the door, right? So... See, higher ability, right? Ultimately, you're going to do whatever you need to do on the street, but we're talking about ability and control, right? For Sandans, if anybody's ever played billiards, and I don't care if it was snooker, American billiards, pool, whatever, right? Very high-level pool masters, right? Billiards masters call their shots, and they'll call combinations. They know exactly what's going to hit where and what, okay? For Sandans... Okay, so listen up, Nidons, who are Sandan candidates. I expect that you can call your shots. You know exactly which pocket he's going to fall in. Yeah, but what if he doesn't? Well, then you've got your Nidon skill to fall back on, and you're just going to go with the flow and let him lead the dance until you kick his ass. Well, what if that fails? Well, then you got Shodan, and you'll slip something in there. 
Okay. So all of the down levels are built upon the things below them. So if one level fails, you got the next skill level to fall back on. You got the next skill level to fall back on. But if it's all the same and the rank is subjective, what the hell are you falling back on? What's your plan B? I think they sell those in pharmacies for women who forget and have some fun and didn't take their pill or never mind. What's your plan B? Good medical insurance and hope it's not a morgue trip. And please don't ever, ever forget, right? We're not talking about becoming invincible. That's the first fucking mistake that people make, okay? We're all easy to kill. Me too. Okay? We're all easy to kill. What we're trying to do is make it as difficult as possible for somebody to do that, right? And increase our chances of survival. So uh, let's not be delusional in the process, okay? But I spent all this time on this martial stuff, but the point, the gist of this is... If we're always doing the same thing, it's just another one of these poisons. I've done plenty of past episodes, right? We've talked about comfort and comfort zones being a poison, right? Um, uh, egocentric, uh, kind of a know-it-all kind of thing, right? Uh, thinking that you know, it's a poison, right? Laziness is a poison, right? All these kind of things, right? Um, and it operates just like poison, right? Just slow acting, okay? Dying and you don't know it. Kind of, it's like I like these movies. Um, have you ever seen one where uh, somebody knocks on Sherlock Holmes' door or whatever, right? And he goes, uh, uh, "I need you to help me solve a murder." Oh, really? Who's who's been murdered? Me. Right. I just got this letter and I ingested something and I'll be dead in less than right. Episodes of NCIS, all these kind of things, right? And. Right? These people don't know they're dying until somebody gives them a letter. Right? Sometimes we don't know how fucked up our BS is until the teacher goes, mm. yeah. and we all need training partners and or teachers who are capable of spotting the mistakes. Because if they can't or they're not, in either case, if you're looking to move forward, you need a different teacher. Okay. And it certainly doesn't have to be me. You, you need one who can see. Okay? If they won't, then they're patronizing you. You need another teacher. Because the system, if it hasn't already plateaued, it will soon, and you can't grow from there, which means you'll get bored. And then once you stop training or you slow down, then your skills will rust. Okay? And if they can't, well, then they can't. If you're a teacher that's constantly training, well, then they'll stay out in front of you. Okay. Anyway, uh, who do we have on, James? Who's on? Who's on? Who's on? Hey, yo, what's up? <laughs> Dave, Victor, Jerry. Victor. Victor's back. Victor's in the house, he said. You're gonna be in trouble. Hey, yada. Sorry, old 50 song. Except, Victor, you can't be my boyfriend. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the fun we could have. 
and Jared, Trinity. Trinity. Let me introduce everyone to Trinity. Trinity's my daughter. Trinity's a student at Georgetown. Brag her up all the time, but she just came back to training, like seriously came back to training. I don't think she was in the online training for more than, I don't know, a couple of weeks watching videos. And then she shows up for class, diving in. Trinity started training when she was two and a half years old. And Trinity, I love her to death. Now, her oldest sister um, trained less, <laughs> but also lived with her mom long distance and never really caught the bug. But I'm going to tell on Trinity because I can. Um, Trinity didn't like to come to class a lot. And I would say, what I say? I would say, and? What's my answer? And she would roll her eyes and say, tough. You don't have to like it. It's my responsibility to make sure you're safe. And the older you get, the less time you're around me. It doesn't relieve me of my responsibility. So at least until a certain point when she, you know, kind of got ready to move out in the world and all that. Um, but... Now she's in an area where, and moving into a uh, type of occupation and whatnot, where the junior stuff is not going to be enough. So I'm absolutely excited. And so is she. I mean, she, she spent this past weekend, like, getting supplies to make up a training notebook and all kinds of stuff. So she was in Saturday morning getting tossed around by Shoshi Wrestler, all, kind, all kinds of cool stuff. So watch out, because her... her uh, when her skills match her attitude, it's going to, going to be some ass whoopings going on. <laughs> I've, my goal has always been that my girls will be able to back up a no. And now with the realm she's going out into, I got to worry about more than just no's. So, anyway, so cool. She's on. Who else? Uh, Jimmy and. Jimmy! <clears throat> Say it's not so. Jimmy always strays in, leaves me a call by one. I don't, I don't know how long he stays or not, but I'll preemptively say it unless he's already typed it in. Right? Kombawajisana. <laughs> and Chris McLaurin's on and asked earlier no, no. on if the change is the change the same as a tick. What? <laughs> Back when you were talking about uh, the change, like if you like in <clears throat> you try to go to neutral, I think it was. No, the change is like no when you walk into the dojo and you got a smile on your face, and I say, "What's going on? Something's different." You think you're covering it up? It's like that. He just said the no action part of no thought, no action. The no action part of no. Well, it starts with no tells, right? It starts with, you know, how we, we line students up and then, we, you know, come in with the, the bat or the shin eye or the, or the boken or whatever to whack them on the skull. And all they have to do is a one, one step evasion to come eye, right? But um, until they get that level of confident understanding that there's a part of their brain that's going to move them, right? Um, they're, they're doing this little, and again, I apologize to those of you who are audio only. What I'm doing is going to be jerking my body 
kind of sideways and whatnot where I'm, I'm like hedging, right? And I'm just I'm telling the the, the attacker where I'm going. Okay, uh, we have to lose things like that. And here's the irony, right? You're never really going to understand some of the stuff that you can do. See, because Sandan is that Sandan, while it is controlling his options and things like that to a greater degree. For us, right, you really get good at that around ninth dawn because the Kyuzutsu Tenkan gets kind of flipped, right? This disguising truth and falsehood gets flipped where what you end up doing, hmm, I just had Shoshi Whistlestar on this, and he's heading for seventh dawn, so um, in our curriculum, so I've, you know, cut him loose in Japan See what he comes back with, you know, glowing aura or whatever. Um, so, what I want you to do is eliminate tells, so that if you look like you are nervous and you're hedging in a certain direction, right? That's a base level sandan tr- convincing the guy that you're going to go one way, but you're actually going to go in the other direction. But there's a certain thing you have to be doing with your body. Like when you do it, it has to look real, but you can't be throwing your upper body because a nervous person who's trying to avoid an incoming attack, who doesn't know how to move, the body initiates with the threatened part of the body. Right, so if we're going to be smacking down on somebody's head, they lead this way, but now you got this seven or eight pound bowling ball leading the upper body, and it's going to be really difficult when the attack comes to step in the opposite direction because two thirds of your body weight is going in the direction that you're fainting in. So, again, here's how here's why you can't do the same thing, right? So we need to hit neutral, and then I need to understand. For Sandan, what the body looks like when it's doing this thing. So how do I make it look like that without actually being trapped by that kind of movement? So I'm free to move in the opposite or in any direction other than the one that I'm looking like I'm, I'm flinching toward. Okay. Um, it's kind of like when we, there's, there's a, a technique, one of the first ones I ever learned that had this to that had this kind of idea, right? Let's say I'm dealing with somebody that is obviously karate, okay? Obviously, and you can you can pick your your uh, your style, but ninety ninety five percent of them, while the arm position and the style is different the way they're doing things is the same. A high block is a high block is a high block. Yes, but some will have the palm of the hand down. Some will have the palm of the hand out. Right? You know what I'm saying, right? Okay? So, if I'm dealing with somebody like this who's just really, really, really good at blocking, what are my chances of getting a shot into his targets? Into the ones that most people think of. It's certainly the ones he's thinking of, right? 
And this is where Cujit's Pencon comes in, this disguising truth and falsehood. Okay? No matter what I throw a punch or kick at, chances are he's going to block it. So now what is required of me? I need to be faster. I need to be trickier. Right? I need to have longer limbs. I need to be James instead of me. James, can you let me hear your legs? I'm about to be attacked at 3 p.m. tomorrow at 4th and Main. Well, shit, that's not going to work. Right? For many different reasons. Right? Well, that's all great. Right? And I know a lot of people that walk around with their, their big old ego bones sticking out. Right? This one. Okay? This is what it's called in Japan. Your, uh, uh, your sternum. It's kotsu. Okay? But ego is also kotsu. Different kanji. But in Japan, your sternum is called your ego bone. Okay? Because people with big egos puff that out and lead with it. Okay? And they feel really proud about how fast they are and all that. Okay? How fast are you when you're sick as a dog? How fast are you? You just left the gym, tore down all your muscles, and you're fucking exhausted. Right? You just got back from a long trip and you just drug your, ha- your happy ass into the house and you can barely stand up. You drop the luggage and there's jack wagon in your living room because you caught somebody who broke into your house. Okay. Not as fast as you normally are. Right. So you need a different, different thing. Right. So here's the Sandan skill where I'm shifting. Right. Because we always go to come I first because I want to see how this guy moves. We're a ninja. Right? We should always be leading with information gathering. Right? Unless this guy's right on me, in which case I'm not going to jump right to a technique unless my life is in danger. If somebody's just grabbing me, I'm even paying attention to where. Where's the pressure? Where Do I feel any openings? That kind of thing. Right? Get a sense of things. It's going to happen very fast, but if you've ever been under that adrenal response, you know what it feels like when the world slows down. Okay? So take a minute try to sort things out. But anyway, if I read this guy, and I read karate in any form, okay, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a high uh, uh, overhead, like a shower stall kind of thing from Psycho, right? Hammer fist at his head, okay? What's he going to do? Lift that high block, right? James is nodding. going to lift that high block, okay? So, and I know that. Just before I get there, I'm going to drop my elbow and open my hand into a knife hand. And I'm going to break his arm. Not because I saw the block, but because the target was always the blocking arm. He just couldn't protect it because he didn't know it was the target. My job is to convince him that his head's in danger, so he does what always he always does. So he gives me the arm that I'm going to strike and break. And I have to understand those dynamics. So I have to be able to to be able to change a fist on the fly. I have to do a lot of mirror work to take a look at this overhand kind of thing, right? And then this this knife hand and find the crossover. Same thing with um, like a front kick and um, uh, a cross punch, right, or something like that, right? About 60% of that body movement is the same before the limb takes over. So 
what part of it, right? How, even though the body movement's the same, what looks like a kick? What looks like a punch? So can I explore things to the degree where as I move forward to throw a punch, I do that little hip thing that's still going to throw the punch, but for just a brief second, it looks like I'm going to throw a kick. So when he shifts to deal with the kick, I just track him and hit him with the punch. Or the same thing, punch to kick, whatever, punch to grab. Okay, So you start looking at similarities. You start looking at body dynamics. What does your body look like when? And where's the crossover? I mentioned that earlier with rolling and throwing shirt again and whatever. There's skill crossover between two things. Okay, In this case, I'm not trying to do high school snot-nosed kid trickery. Because... Not only is it has everybody seen it, but you're over committing to something to throw your other thing. What I'm talking about is, is throwing something in a way that it looks like something else. So the thing that hits him is a complete surprise. It's not high school back parking lot bullshit. It's something completely different. Okay. Something completely different. Okay. Later on, right? So this, there's this Kyujutsu Tenkan, right? So people get introduced to that fairly early. We talk about disguising truth and falsehood. I'm going to present one thing and see where I'm going with this, right? I'm presenting one thing that he will buy into. I'm not trying to psych him out. If you ever read uh, Stephen Hayes' book, um, uh, The Ninja of the Secret Fighting Art, the first book that he wrote when he was in Japan, training with Hatsumisate. The very beginning of the book, he outlines their very first meeting. He met with Hatsumisate and Tanamura-sensei before he went off and did his own thing. Uh, Tanamura-sensei at that time was Hatsumisate's right-hand man. It was also his cousin, whatever, right? He actually became Stephen Hayes' first teacher, which explains why Hayes' Kasumian program is heavily loaded on the Koto school because – Way back in the day when Hatsumi Sensei had a stomach cancer and or had the stomach problem that he was gonna he thought he was gonna die, he divvied up the nine schools among these different teachers so that if he died, nobody had access to everything, right? Tanamura Sensei happened to get Koto school, right? So see, history, right? Um but there's this description in there where Hayes thinks this one thing, oh yeah, we call that a psych out. And Hatsumi Sensei says Oh, is that what you thought that was? Oh, Tamarosan. Put a little bit more energy into it. And then he realized it was something completely different. Because there wasn't just this, like, get him to look over here so you could hit him this way kind of thing. It wasn't that kind of... I mean, it's effective... But in the grand scheme of things, with the stuff we're studying, pretty low-level tactics. Okay. We would call them adolescent or teenager tactics. Okay. So um, in the beginning with Kyojutsu Tenkan, 
how did this get transferred into something? I guess we're not doing the same, are we? Guys, <laughs> we've gotten over the same, right? You can't keep doing the same, right? So in the beginning, Kyuji Tenkan looks like this, right? I use the lie, I use the deception to set him up, and then I hit him with the truth, right? So uh, in the Tagagi Yoshin technique, uh, Kasumidori, Kasumidori, right? Um, catching the haze, catching the fog kind of thing, right? Um, he grabs, you bring your hand across, right, in this fluttering leaf principle from the Tayagi Ocean Review, right, you bring your hand across, and then you double back, pop him in the neck, and then you go into an Uragyaku and keep on going thing, right? So the this fluttering kind of movement causes him to shift in a certain way, right, that gets him set up that he can't avoid the next thing that's coming in, right? So it looks like something's coming to his face to attack. Um, one of the ways that we do uh, Ichimonji no Kata, right? The Gyokoryu uh, uh, Sandan Kata, right? Ichimonji no Kata. Right? We catch, and then as we come forward, the, the rear hand lifts up inverted with the thumb down, little finger up, palm out away from you. Knuckles pointing out, right, comes up very quickly into his field of view, field of vision, which causes him to kind of lean back, right, because he's saving his face. This thing comes up from underneath, right? It's a chino kata pendulum swing, but it comes up ready so that when you drop your elbow, you're dropping this omote gyaku on him. There's another variation that uses a cross step, right? Uses a, a, a yokoruki, kotoryu kaniyuki. Right? crab walking, uh, and you torque around very, very quickly and bring your elbow forward like you're going to pop him in the face with your elbow. You're way far away from so it requires you throw intent, right? So I bring this around, and my hand comes around and pops that, that neck, okay? So we're, we're throwing the illusion and then hitting him with the truth, Okay. What I just introduced Shoshi Whistler to for the upper level post fifth on training is flipping that. Okay. Where we lead with the truth and he gets hit with the illusion. What the fuck is that, Sensei? Well, to be able to do something like that, we have to understand that, or we have to get past needing to hit somebody to get a result. We need to get past, I need for him to feel pain. He'll feel it. Give it a minute. Okay? Right? Because he's going to feel it regardless of whether I hit him or he crashes into the ground and the hard surface breaks more of them than my one strike could have. But, and this is, maybe I just got a head start on things, but I was introduced to this as a white belt. And we we do it a little bit. Everybody understands distractions and things like that, right? Um, And and directions of hits and and things. But most people come at things from the omote. They come at things 
with the intent that they like they have to hit the person to wear them down. They have to hit the person to cause damage. They need pain, right? That kind of thing because well, how do you beat somebody if you don't, right? Okay. Well, again, you get the shodan, you've learned the techniques, you get the need on, you start to pay attention to more and more things that allows you to do more control to get this guy to come at you with certain attacks based on, you know, uh, your alignment and position and distance. And there's only like a microsecond he's going to have an opportunity. So you can force somebody's hand to make them attack before they're ready. So it doesn't have as much power and just all kinds of cool shit. Right. But the more you're doing things, the more you start to pay attention. And if you're, again, remember earlier, I said that, the law of karma, cause and effect. Just, you just keep looking at this from different perspectives and the martial arts training, the Budo, allows you to see deeper and deeper into this. Kind of like when we're doing Mikyo, right? Fourth layer, fourth level of progress, the final level of progress in Mikyo is Goma, right? This, this fire ceremony kind of thing. But there are seven levels, and each one, you're burning away smaller and smaller and smaller defilements, smaller habit patterns, smaller in, you know, inhibitors, things like that. Same thing. The more you go, if you're paying attention to a universal principle, the universal principle, cause and effect, and not just technique, because ultimately, shit, man, there's only so many things you can do with the human body. And there's only so many things you can do to a human body. Okay? But to a human mind? Right, Trin? Trin's going into secret shit. Anyway, so, <laughs> so again, this has to go, you, you start to explore realms of control. Okay? Um, so you can get him to be an accomplice to his own ass kicking. That starts from Shodan Ninan. And then just keeps getting better along the way, right? If I can get somebody to do something of his own free will, when he fails, he's going to blame himself because he didn't know that I did it. Most people who get involved in martial arts and Budo need the other asshole to know that they did it to him. They've just gotten lucky throughout their lives and gotten comfortable with the fact that they got lucky because they forgot to look over their shoulder for the rest of their lives because they assumed that once they beat his ass, he'd go away with his legs or his tail uh, tucked between his bikes. And he or his family or whatever wasn't coming after them or their family or whatever. Okay? As I tell my teenagers growing up, your problem is you don't think big enough. You can't see a big enough picture right, to understand why sometimes the best action is no action. Right. But anyway, so uh, cause and effect, right? So if I start to pay attention to strikes and striking angles and what that does, and I remember at some point in 50,000 different classes. Same lesson. Some point in those classes. My teacher said over and over and over again, 
Remember, the body moves itself and or its individual parts 180 degrees away from incoming danger. Which is why we strike on certain angles or whatever, because even if he flinches away, he's moving in the direction we want him to go. Does that sound familiar, James? Okay. So, like in the Koto school, right? In the Koto school, one of the ways to do Shakuken, and again, I apologize to those of you on, on audio only. If you jump over onto uh, YouTube at some point, go to episode 190, uh, go to our channel, go to... Um, the live tab, right, and go there, right? Um, so is, is our – did you know if, if in our descriptions, uh, James, if the YouTube channel URL is in those things so that people on the audio only, um, or at least in our description in the in the profiles, do you know if it's there so people could refer to these if they need to? Maybe we should do that going forward just to make sure we have it. Okay. okay. So anyway, in the Kotoryu, one of the ways to do Shakoken, and they, they have different names for things as well, but I, Shakoken works, okay? It's just done with the fingertips. It's not done with the palm heel. And then, right, Shako, Shako of Shakoken is named after this mantis shrimp or mantis crab kind of creature that lives in the ocean. It's only six inches long, whatever. A bunch of really cool stuff to it, right? So if you understand this cool little nuance about it, then your fist takes on a whole different kind of thing as well, right? But there's different different aspects to this, right? It could be like the shock goal and how it operates. It could be like a talon kind of thing where there's this drawback kind of thing that when he tries to get off of you, right, he impales himself more, just like a bird of prey's talons, right? If you learn how to catch that, you can catch somebody's face and literally detach the muscles from the skull, right? So when I say rip somebody's face off, I don't necessarily mean that I'm going to take it off and have it in my hand, right? But I can detach things, okay? Cool stuff. But there's there's a thing that the Kotoryu does, and if you examine the kata a little bit differently when it says to do these things, like, um, well, yokuto, very first kata on the first scroll, okay? So when you come in, the thumb is down, and the other four fingers are where they are here. So you're hitting soft points. You're hitting kusho on the face, aiming for either the fovea below the lower lip or the fovea between the upper lip and the nose, right? The fovea is a cup-like depression, right? So hitting this thing, right, you're going in straight this way, okay? So when you do this, you you catch the whole front of the face, and you drive, I'm going to turn sideways, you drive the head back laterally on the neck. It doesn't pivot. It moves back this way and locks the cervical part of the spine, and that radiates down into uh, the thoracic region, and, and you, you lock in the spine, okay? Because koppo of koppo jutsu has to do with attacking not only the bones, but the primary bone, the spine, okay? So when I strike this way, it knocks the head straight back, locks those things up, okay? And here's the cool thing. I don't have to hit him. I just have to get within a certain range of the target for his own, I call it a human defense mechanism, right? It's the thing that moves the parts 180 degrees from danger. So if I punch straight in at the flat of his face, budoken, whatever, 
I don't come at an odd angle because whatever angle you're coming at, he's going to flinch 180 degrees away from that. That'll turn his face. It'll lift his chin, whatever. But if I come in at that region, his whole head shifts back and I lock his spine. I don't have to hit him to get the same result sans pain, right? Not counting pain. I don't have to hit him. I don't have to touch him to get the same response. This starts to lead to the advanced level of being able to throw somebody without actually physically touching them. Right? And it's not like airbender and shit like that. Anyway, so <laughs> had to throw that out. I'm sorry. Um, and even if it is, you need to start with the physical anyway, because you're not going to start woo-woo unless you're just delusional. Right? So, but the cool thing is I don't have to hit it. What I'm going to start to pay attention to is the angle of my incoming attack because I want him to move in a certain direction. Remember the Kasumidori technique I just described where the hand comes around and then doubles back? What I'm making is half of a yin-yang circling up and around and then hooking back. I don't finish the little tail. I hook up and around and come back, okay? Because when I bring this past his eyes this way, his head's going to do this, okay? Well, it's moving the same direction that the hand is, which means the head is going to be moving into the strike, which means that I will hit him solid, full-on, with his help and his flinch response that will cause him to move away and partially ride off a normal strike, won't engage. Which means he gets the full shot of the strike plus some. So now I can do what Hatsumi Sensei and the Master Teachers have been teaching, and I can gear down on how much effort I'm using because, well, Part of my background was uh, uh, when I was a military policeman, I was trained as a traffic accident investigator. They gave us all kinds of math formulas and stuff, right, uh, before we had, like, computers and all that kind of crap, right? So I could measure uh, skid marks and tell how fast somebody had to be going because they were this thick, they were that long, right, whatever. There's, there's a freaking algorithm you run through, and it tells you what his speed was, right? Okay? But one of the coolest things I learned was that if a car is traveling at 60 miles an hour, right, I'm, I'm not doing a math problem for you, okay? I'll, I'll do it myself, okay? So this is not like if a car is traveling uh, toward Chicago at, no, okay? If it's going 60 miles an hour and it hits a tree, right? Tree doesn't shear whatever. Tree's big-ass tree, right? Um, we used to BFT in the military, right? Big freaking tree, right? Hits this tree, 60 miles an hour, right? The damage to the front end of that car and the amount of damage and whatnot is telling me the speed. But either way, right, there's a certain type of damage. There's a damage pattern, right? It can hit one of these, um, what's things called again, James, that come up for security and, God, the name always freaking escapes me. Ballard. Ballard, there you go. So hits this thing, wraps around it, whatever, okay? But there's a pattern. Well, let me take the tree out, make it a little bit more square. So we'll just make it a wall. Right, hits a wall, 60 miles an hour. Right, there's a crush pattern to that vehicle 
based on speed, material, all that kind of stuff, right? We'll, we'll let Victor figure out the materials and all that kind of stuff because he's an engineer, right? But we can get the same damage to that car going 30 miles an hour if it runs into another car going 30 miles an hour head on because they help each other. You end up with damage on both cars as though both cars hit a solid wall at 60. Okay. Given the same car, given the same tensile strength and materials, not splitting hairs with the engineer. So don't even go there. Right. So just a quick analogy. Right. So it's the same thing. If I can get him to add, if I can get him to move into it, right? This is just a simple example of attacking with the, with the illusion. Okay? So in the case of moving my hand past and then striking back, right, I have tricked him with the illusion that I'm going to smack him across the face, and then I hit him with the truth. But with um, with the the Shackleton variant, right? I'm hitting him with the illusion because I don't need to touch him. What I need is his head to end up in the same place. I don't need bloody face. I don't need pain or whatever. What I need is for his head and spine to lock up the same way it would if I would hit it. So we start to explore the strikes from that perspective. Where do I need to unleash it? Where is too close where he won't perceive it so the flinch response never happens? Well, that's cool because now I can just hit him. Okay? To get it. That means I'm already inside. But where is too far where he won't buy it? What shape does it need to be so the head moves evenly back or in whatever direction I need it to go, right? So we just get more and more involved in in the cause and effect thing, right? That's the stuff that Hatsumi Sensei was using. That's the stuff that the master teachers are using, right? The difference is that, and here's the thing, right? When I say perception changes... If we're at a certain level and we see what the teacher's doing and we come back and we're kind of doing it, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, works more often than it doesn't, whatever. Ego tends to grab a hold of that and go, mm, okay, right? I'll just keep working on it, okay? But since ego needs to be God, ego needs to know the answers to things. Ego needs to feel like it's right. We need to do to keep ego at bay, or at least know that ego is playing its games. And there's a there's a sutra, a teaching in uh, uh, a precursor to the Mikyo stuff. Uh, it's called the Magic Show of the Mind, and it it describes this whole thing um, from the perspective of ego being a master magician on the stage, whipping up these illusions, okay? and we buy them. But if we know they're doing that, right, okay, we can see what's going on, but we, we know that there's other things going on, okay? So 
it's it's ironic to me that we will ask a magician, how'd you do that? Because we need to know. But we don't ask ourselves the same question. Or we don't ask, what is he doing that I don't know he's doing? Because what we're trusting is that what our eyes can see from this angle based on him and his uke's alignment, which is why me and my uke, we always change to multiple angles because I know two things, minimum. One, students never move. So they always see the technique from the same perspective. And then they come, then they want to say that, well, video training doesn't work because like you need to be in the dojo. Why? You only ever see the techniques two dimensionally. So what the hell does it matter? Two dimensional screen, two dimensional demo. Just because you're in a three dimensional or a 10 dimensional space doesn't mean you're using them. Okay. So what can I see? Where's the feeling? What am I controlling? It's a whole list of freaking questions. But as long as we're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, which is looking at it from their perspective, right? You can only see what you can see. And that's all we're going to trust is what we can see. See, martial artists are very, very high up on the whole, right? If I can see it, taste it, touch it, whatever, then it's real. Not a big fan of like woo-woo shit. Okay. Not about woo-woo shit. Okay. Can't see your emotions until you act them out. Describe your feelings so that somebody else knows exactly how you feel and it's not less, it's not more. Can't do it. You had to be there. Yeah, I get it. Okay, You had to be there. You had to be me. It had to be that time of day. You had to just have the experiences you had leading up to that. You had to have had my whole fucking life experiences, which caused me to filter the world a certain way, right? And think about that kind of person or that person who's that type of person, the way I classify them in this setting that you had to be there. Shit. There's a whole bunch of theirs that go unwritten. Knowing the game is half of it so that you know that there's so much you, you don't know, right? So any demonstration, any explanation, this one included, only hints, only gets you started. Anyway, but as long as we keep doing the same thing, right? keep watching techniques on YouTube. I keep, you know, I keep going to class and watching things the same way. I keep expecting that the teacher is just going to spoon feed me. Right? If he wanted me to know, he'd have told me. Really? Interesting. What if I can't tell you? Not because it's a fucking secret, excuse my language, not because it's a secret, but because it can't be put into words. You're just not going to learn those aspects? We're not robots. So we we need to, we can't just keep collecting kata. We can't just keep, we can't just keep doing kata the same way we've always done kata. Can't keep, still keep talking to ourselves, narrating the kata. I don't care if it's out loud or in your head. 
We can't just keep moving to the same spot because, well, that's how the cot is done. No, that's how you did the cot at that belt rank when you only had that many months in training, and that was acceptable for somebody at that level then. Your timing, flow, positioning, and all that should be way different. Right? If, if he throws something different, you shouldn't be caught off guard. I'm speaking to people who are heading toward Nidon or at Nidon. You shouldn't be caught off guard. Because even though we're working on a given technique, if your partner throws a gasket or blows a gasket and throws something different or the angle's different, then you need to adjust to that particular angle. Here's the same thing that everybody keeps doing, right? It's the sixth repetition of working on the same kata, and it's a right ski, so he throws his thing, and I step back with my right leg, to kata tehicha no kamai, and I go back in, and... Great. I'm betting that most people didn't watch the punch more than when the teachers, Uke, did it. And they watched that half-ass, too. All they're watching for is when their partner moves, and then they assume the punch because they want to go through their motions and get their shit right. But what angle is the punch coming on? And if we're only ever working with ski... Well, then you're in the ballpark, but if your partner was allowed to throw any right punch or any punch, you might have the incentive to position yourself so that you were way out of range for a lead. A cross is, if you can't hit you with a lead, a cross is a shorter punch, so it's not going to reach you, and you're forcing him to throw a lunging punch, right? But he's going to be throwing it where your head is, so... If he throws a big-ass, wide old haymaker, he's leaving a big hole, right? But right, unless we go through the phase of training where we actually watch the punch unfold, my partner can throw anything. You can even start really, really, really slow. Your partner can throw whatever punch they're going to throw, whatever one they feel like, in this moment. Let's say quarter speed. And my intention is to do nothing but watch their body move, watch the arm come at me, and just before it touches me, it doesn't matter how I get out of the way, just move. But what's important is to watch the punch unfold. Instead of moving because he punched, yeah, how did he punch? What was the angle? Well, how'd that one catch it? Well, you changed something about the punch. Okay, well, you're a neat on. Shouldn't matter what he did. Because if nothing else, you're going to evade the come on. But how do I take more and more control of things if I don't understand how different body types, height, build, different fight styles, Men, woman, personality types, things like that, right? Skinny and wiry, muscular, fat, whatever. What that body looks like as it's throwing a jab, right? Does this guy throw a jab with the elbow down? Does he flip that elbow up and the thumb kind of goes at a descending angle, right? Is it just one of those reaching out to touch me or gauge distance? Or is he actually trying to hit me? And then how do the shoulders look different for each of those? 
Because they do. Okay? Does he lean in? Does he lean out? Okay? They're all different. As Hatsumi has always said, there's even a quote floating around on the internet. People have lots of opportunities to read these damn things, and they do. They even share them on their pages. Congratulations. Right? The technique is not the end. It's not the, the, the lesson. I mean, you have to learn it, but it's not the point of the, the training. It only indicates where you need to begin. Otherwise, being him, being at that level, mastery, whatever, is always just going to be a freaking fantasy. And eventually, we're just going to get bored or we're going to think that we know it all. And either way, that either one is poison because we're going to train less, we're going to do less, and our muscles are going to atrophy, and we're going to lose interest. And next thing you know, we're going to be just like all these other people that write to me where we, we miss it every once in a while just enough to say, I really need to get back to training. Why? Most people, when they think about getting back to training, what do they think about? Doing the same shit they did when they left it. Now, one, my well, two people right now, Trinity and uh, Chris Major, both gone for a while, both came back, ask them what they're working on, and both answer reviewing things up to this point because I need to, one, remember, and two, fill in gaps because, right, I know I either forgot things or, in Trinity's case, she was in our junior program. So she's coming at this from an adult woman's perspective now, getting ready to go into a law enforcement intelligence community with a whole bunch of its own types of dangers, not the same as my daughter who we were just trying to keep safe in, you know, junior high school and high school against boys who were coming of age. Right. So, um, but we have to, we have to be mindful of this, this sameness trap. Because we can't, nothing's going to change. Well, it will. Change is inevitable. Change is universal. It'll just change for the worse. It'll hit stagnation, and then it'll hit deterioration. Anyway, all right, James, what do we got? Anything you want to throw on top of this fire? You were like motionless. I thought your screen locked up. Actually, uh, Tim Wolf was on. Tim Wolf. Said hello, Tim Wolf, and he said, "I always like the quote that we all will have to sit down at a banquet of consequences if we fail to understand the realism needed to progress." Yes, sir. What's that old? There's another cliche, right? You're free to choose, but you're never free from the consequences of your choices. And consequences are, it's a negative, I mean, it's a, it's a neutral word, right? 
positive or negative. Okay. But free to choose. What else? Who else? Uh, Jared said, don't apologize for your language. You're just being new. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> and from earlier, Victor said, boyfriend. Well, that all depends on what I identify as at the moment. Dude, <laughs> tell you the same thing I told anybody, everybody else. If I ever thought in that direction, <laughs> the only thing you have to remember is I'm the boy. <laughs> and no, I'm not going to flip you for it. <laughs> He's coming up for the, for the dicomio side. That's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah. He's doing a breakout session on Hanbo, I think, and Sword. And Shoshi Whistler is also doing Sword, but he's doing Bato Jitsu. So Victor's got his thing. Shoshi Whistler has his thing. Shoshi Golem is doing Improvised Traps. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> and Lee Davis is coming in. He's doing rope work. So... Got some hojo jutsu action going on. Got some, uh, yeah. I mean, everything from not tying to, I don't know what else he's throwing in, but that'll be fun. And we also have our New Year's Goma uh, goal setting thing that we're doing. So, cool beans. So, saw some spots, but I, I think we're coming up on 20 at this point. Trend's now okay. coming. She's home from college, so she's making it. That'll be fun. She'll be laughing both being thrown and throwing people. So that'd be fun. Okay. Is that it? That was, How was that? Yes, sir. Well, hell. All right. Well, okay. So uh, might as well finish out by, let's see, mentioning the Komiosai, 5th, 6th, and 7th of January. Uh, can you throw the, the link back in again? I'll just say it out loud, but right there on the screen is the online ninja academy.com uh, forward slash events is where the main, uh, the link is. It's just on our event page. Top thing is for the Dicomio side. I'm working up uh, a calendar here pretty soon. I'm going to be sitting down with um, Sensei Reinhardt so we can do out at least the first quarter uh, of events, uh, seminars and other programs that will be coming up. Uh, I am in the midst of editing a book I wrote. Um, let's see, what was the, I'm trying to remember the original uh, uh, copyright date. I put, 2013, I think. I think. Right? Uh, three massive mistakes that even serious Bujinkan students make. Um, that, again, it doesn't use Japanese and all that kind of stuff. It, uh, what I'm actually use are some, some linguistic, tricks to help the mind remember things uh, better and faster. Uh, so I, I wanted to update that a little bit. And then uh, I'm going to be uh, sending out an email letting people know that it's it's ready again. So if anybody wants to grab it, you just you know, go to a page, type in your email, download it, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull some of these things out that are kind of inactive. Uh, we're inadvertently lost a service, not because we didn't pay or whatever, we're still paying for it, but uh, they changed their their platform, they changed their uh, 
the software and the, and the way they, the program and the way it works and all that kind of stuff. So apparently some of our pages um, were done on the old platform and the software was not compatible when they shifted. And so we lost um, uh, lead pages and whatnot where people could sign up and, and download these things. Uh, this was one and there were, were a bunch of other ones. So I'm in the process of rebuilding a bunch of this stuff so I can get some of the, some more of the freebie stuff out that people can have to at least use uh, checklists, cheat sheets. Um, God, we've got how, how many how many cheat sheets or um, student worksheets or whatnot have I designed over the years to um, help? <laughs> a lot. Part of my job is to help you get to where you're going faster than it took me. So, um, so what I'm going to be doing is putting a bunch of these things out so that uh, so that folks can you know work with things. I generally set things up for the do-it-yourselfers because you know what? They're going to be a do-it-yourselfer no matter what, right? Um, but I figure in the process of doing that uh, to help them, I don't know, surf YouTube better or, or do their thing, uh, I'm going to have other people that want to put their hand up and say, hey, you know, how do I do this? So, um, but that's it. I think that's it for now. Dates to be coming for spring camp, fall camp. Uh, I intend to do a Japan trip 2024. So as soon as I get that all figured out, I'll let people know when that's going to be. Uh, that is not atypical. We're just going to fly in, go to Noda, and then eat, sleep, shit, and go to the dojo. Right? It is a full training trip, which includes uh, day trips and overnights to historical places, uh, temples, castles, uh, one castle we go to in Kyoto has a nightingale floor, which was designed by a ninja to catch ninja. Okay? So you can read about this shit, or you can go along and actually, you know, see how it goes. Um, even some stuff that's secret and kind of out of the out of the way that if you don't know what you're looking at, it's really difficult to see. So that'll be fun. All right. Anything else? Anything? Any last minute pop up? No, sir. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, and I will talk to everybody again. Well, wait, wait, wait. Next week. Oh, Christmas is on Monday. James, what are you doing Christmas Eve or Christmas night? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to let everybody know what we're going to do with next Monday here. Uh, once I, I don't know, I'm going to give a little bit more thought because. Um, I most of the stuff will be done. So I don't know. I don't know that I have a really good reason to not do a Christmas two den episode. We'll see. I'll think about this a little bit more. It won't take me more than a couple of days. But uh we'll see. If we don't do it, we'll see if we don't do it. It's going to be like three weeks because New Year's falls on a Monday. Mm-hmm. New Year's Day. Because Christmas and New Year's Day always falls on the same physical day of the week. Okay. Um, that's the way numbers work. That's what you get when you have a couple extra days left over after our Pope makes a new calendar. Um, <laughs> so, and we'll just chop chop a couple of days off of February and whatever. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I have to think about that because I don't, I don't want to miss that. I don't want to 
skip over two weeks to do a third one. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to figure that one out. So um, I'll let everybody know as we go. Okay, how do you keep Ninja Suspense? Tell you all later. Right. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to wrap this up. Talk to, you, uh, talk to you guys next time. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.